Chapter 27 of Muslin. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lasanne Lavoy, Swansea, Illinois. Muslin by George Moore. Chapter 27. Ah, sa chère milord, comme il est beau, comme il est parfait exclaimed Mrs. Barton, as she led him to his chair and poured out his glass of sherry. But there was a gloom on his face which laughter and compliments failed for a moment to dissipate. At last he said, Ah, Mrs. Barton, Mrs. Barton, if I hadn't this little retreat to take refuge in, to hide myself in, during some hours of the day, I should not be able to bear up. Brookfield has prolonged my life for... I cannot allow such sad thoughts as these, said Mrs. Barton, laughing and waving her white hands. Who has been teasing notre cher milord? What have dreadful Lady Jane and terrible Lady Sarah been doing to him? I shall never forget this morning. No, not if I live to a thousand, the old gentleman murmured plaintively. Oh, the scenes, the scenes I have been through. Cecilia, as I told you yesterday, has been filling the house with rosaries and holy water fonts. Jane and Sarah have been breaking these, and the result has been tears and upbraidings. Last night at dinner, I don't really know what they didn't say to each other, and then the two elder ones fell upon me and declared that it was all my fault, that I ought never to have sent my daughter to a Catholic convent. I was obliged to shut myself up in the study and lock the door. Then this morning, when I thought it was all over, it began again, worse than ever. And then in the middle of it all, when Jane asked Cecilia how many gods there were in the roll of bread she was eating if the priest were to bless it, if a papist wasn't one who couldn't worship God till somebody had turned him into a biscuit, a most injudicious observation. I said so at the time, and I must apologize to you, my dear Mrs. Barton, for repeating it. But I am really so upset that I scarcely know what I am saying. Well, Jane had no sooner spoken than Cecilia overthrew the teacups and said she wasn't going to stay in the house to hear her religion insulted, and without another word she walked down to the parish priest and was baptized a Catholic, nor is that all. She returned with a scapula around her neck, a rosary about her waist, and a Pope's medal in her hand. I really thought Jane and Sarah would have fainted. Indeed, I am sure they would have fainted if Cecilia hadn't declared that she was going to pack up her things and return at once to St. Leonard's and become a nun. Such an announcement as this was, of course, far beyond fainting. And, but no, I will not attempt to describe it, but I can assure you I was very anxious to get out of the house. Cecilia going to be a nun! Oh, I am so glad! exclaimed Olive. It is far the best thing she could do, for she couldn't hope to be married. Olive! Olive! said Mrs. Barton. You shouldn't speak so openly. You should always consider the religious prejudices of others. Of course, as Catholics, we must be glad to hear of anyone joining the true church, but we should remember that my lord is going to lose his daughter. 
I assure you, my dear Mrs. Barton, I have no prejudices. I look upon all religions as equally good and equally bad. But to be forced to live in a perpetual discussion in which teacups are broken, concerning scapulars, bacon and meal shops, and a school which, putting aside the question of expense, makes me hated in the neighborhood, I regard as intolerable. And when I go home this evening, I shall tell Jane that the school must be put down or carried on in a less aggressive way. I assure you I have no wish to convert the people. They are paying their rents very well now, and I think it absurd to upset them. And the fact of having received Cecilia into the church might incline the priest very much towards us. And Cecilia will be so happy in that beautiful convent, suggested Mrs. Barton. C'est le génie de catholicisme de nous débarrasser des filets. And upon this expression of goodwill towards the Church of Rome, Cecilia's future life was discussed with much amiability. Mrs. Barton said she would make a sweet little nun. Olive declared that she would certainly go to St. Letters to see her professed, and my lord's description of Lady Sarah's and Lady Jane's ill humor was considered very amusing. And just as he was about to recount some new incident, one that had escaped his memory till then, the door opened and the servant announced Dr. Reed. Now what can he want? Olive is quite well. He looks at her tongue and feels her pulse. How do you do, Dr. Reed? Here is your patient, whom you will find in the best health and spirits. As he was about to reply, Alice came into the room and she tried to carry on the conversation naturally. But the silence of Mrs. Barton and my lord made this difficult. Dr. Reed was not a ready talker, and this morning his replies were more than ever awkward and constrained. At last it dawned on Alice that he wanted to speak to her alone, and in answer to a remark he had made concerning the fever dens in Gort, she said, I wanted to ask you a question or two about typhoid fever, Dr. Reed. One of my heroines is going to die of it, and I should like to avoid medical impossibilities. May I show you the passage? Certainly, Miss Barton. I shall be delighted to help you, if I can. As soon as Alice left the room to fetch her manuscript, the doctor hurriedly bade his patient, my lord, and Mrs. Barton goodbye. "'Aren't you going to wait to see Alice?' Mrs. Barton asked. "'I have to speak to the boy in charge of my car. "'I shall see Miss Barton as she comes downstairs.' Mrs. Barton looked as if she thought this arrangement not a little singular, but she said nothing, and when Alice came running downstairs with a roll of MSS in her hand, she attempted to explain her difficulty to the doctor. He made a feeble attempt to listen to the passage she read aloud to him, and when their eyes met across the paper, she saw he was going to propose to her. "'Will you walk down the drive with me? And we will talk of that as we go along.' Her hat was on the hall table. She took it up and in silence walked with him out on the gravel. "'Will I put the others up, sir?' cried the boy from the outside car. No, follow me down the avenue. It was a wild autumn evening, full of wind and leaves. The great green pasture lands, soaked and sodden with rain, 
rolled their monotonous green turf to the verge of the blown beech trees, about which the rooks drifted in picturesque confusion. Now they soared like hawks, or on straightened wings were carried down a furious gust across the tumultuous waves of upheaved yellow, and past the rift of cold crimson that is tossed like a banner through the shadows of evening. I came here to tell you that I am going away, that I am leaving Ireland forever. I've bought the practice I spoke to you of in Notting Hill. Oh, I am so glad. Thank you. But there is another and more important matter on which I should like to speak to you. For a long time back, I had resolved to leave Ireland a sad or an entirely happy man. Which shall it be? You are the only woman I ever loved. Will you be my wife? Yes, I will. I was afraid to ask you before, but, he added, sighing, I shan't be able to give you a home like the one you are leaving. We shall have to be very economical. We shall not have more than three hundred a year to live upon. Will you be satisfied with that? I hope, indeed, I am sure we shall get on very well. You forget that I can do something to keep myself, she added, smiling. I have two or three orders. She passed her arm through Dr. Reed's, and as he unfolded his plans to her, he held her hand warmly and affectionately in his, and as the twilight drifted, it was wrapped like a veil about them. The rooks in great flitting flocks passed over their heads, the tempestuous crimson of the sky had been hurled further away, and only the form of the grey horse that the boy had allowed to graze stood out distinctly in the gloom that descended upon the earth. End of chapter 27 Recording by Lysanne Lavoie